Hey friends, this is Holly Goodman, and you're listening to Isaac's Autism Wild podcast, where we focus on topics related to raising loved ones touched by autism and its impact on relationships and family. I'll be sharing some of my personal parenting experiences, raising my son Isaac, who passed away in 2007, as well as an entirely different parenting experience as I now raise my son Caleb, who never ceases to blow my mind with his beautiful autism perspectives. So grab a drink and join me as I interview this week's group of exceptional autism parents. All right. Thanks for joining us for Isaac's Autism Wild podcast. Today we are podcasting on extracurricular activities that families enjoy with special needs kiddos. Um, And so we're kind of going to take this podcast from two different segments. One is obviously we're kind of in the midst of COVID concerns. So we're all still social distancing. And so obviously I want to hear things that people might be doing during this um, social distancing period of time. But I also want to hear what families are doing prior to this so that that way when life, hopefully, fingers crossed, goes back to normal, um, people have a pretty good snapshot of what uh, opportunities are available to their loved ones once things hopefully get back to normal, I'm going to be po- I'm going to be cautiously optimistic that everything's going to go back to um, pre-COVID status, and we're going to be able to just do everything that we did um, prior to COVID and not have to worry about social distancing. So I'm going to start with Christine because Christine, we're doing this all um, recording remotely, and Christine, you're the top of my Brady Bunch grid. That's the only thing that I know what to call it is that. I, I consider it our Brady Bunch where we can look down on each other in the, our Zoom conference here. So Christine, talk to me about some of the activities that you guys have accessed for, uh, in terms of extracurricular activities. Oh, goodness. Um, well, first of all, uh, the extracurricular activities that my son, uh, Cameron, who is 13, is involved with, um, came about a uh, mom's night, an Isaac Foundation mom's night. Since we're specifically talking about, you know, our local community extracurriculars, um, I highly encourage anybody listening to the podcast that may not live in our area to, you know, just try and um, get connected with a, a special needs group in their area because it'll be a wealth of information on the types of things that uh, you know are available in your area. Our son is involved in a special needs hockey group. He is involved in a special needs uh, baseball group and a special needs downhill skiing. And I think that's all of them. Um, so now let's talk about the hockey, just because obviously I'm, I'm a little partial to the hockey team because Isaac Foundation obviously plays a role in that. So would you mind also to Christine, because you're probably not going to toot your horn. I'm going to toot it for you. Um, Christine is our, I guess I would call you like our head hockey mom. If I was going to like, do you have an official title? Well, officially with, um, the parents that I talk to and when I'm dealing with Seha, which is our Spokane area youth hockey association, I consider myself basically our team manager. Um, yeah. Okay. There you go. I call you, I call you the team mom. Is what uh, I call but you. really, I mean, yeah, I think I wear all the different hats. I mean, I, I help arrange our ice time with, um, the local ice arena. Um, obviously I work with the Isaac foundation, uh, for our sports equipment locker. Um, I work with the professor at Gonzaga university who supplies our, um, uh, special education teaching 
uh, student, so School of Education students, uh, and they are our one-on-one volunteers that help teach our kiddos uh, to skate, um, who uh, teach our kiddos puzzle drills, et cetera, et cetera. So I kind of wear a lot of hats with the group. I'm also sometimes on the ice helping uh, give tips and tricks to those uh, college-age volunteers on how best to engage some of our um, autistic and special needs kiddos on the ice specifically. Um, It's a fantastic group. We have grown in the last, I want to say I've been with it for four years now. Um, In the last four years, we've grown from about six to eight kiddos uh, total to now we're over 21 to 25 with probably between 16 and 20 kids on the ice pretty much every week. And we just continue to keep growing. Uh, Part of that is because the Isaac Foundation um, provides the equipment. I mean, hockey equipment's expensive. And we've been able to maintain um, a cadre of volunteers on a consistent basis to help our kids learn to skate. It's been a pretty fantastic thing to watch the program grow. Well, and so just for those that are listening for out of town, I just want to make sure that we're kind of talking about the role that Isaac Foundation plays. I understand that the investment originally um, for obtaining the equipment, we purchased $3,000. And then after that, we were really lucky in that um, we're able to get the other hockey groups that actually play competitively to um, donate unused equipment. And so our I would say that initially we purchased like used equipment from some of the, you know, like the played against sports. But then after that, we were, we connected with different like hockey groups and they were actually willing to donate, um, you know, like equipment that they no longer were in need of. So really, I think our total net in terms of investment in terms of hockey equipment was like $3,000. Is that I mean, wouldn't you agree, Christine? Because you're actually one of our board president or our board members. Yeah, yeah. I think that that yeah, the initial investment um, we got really lucky um, that we were we we had some funds donated to us to purchase and make those purchases, and then just as the um, knowledge of this group existing, we've had a lot of, you know, rec leagues and, um, other, other like junior hockey leagues, junior hockey rec leagues, um, adult hockey rec leagues, uh, do a lot of donations. Um, so I guess if anybody's listening remotely, that's not in the Spokane area, it's, it wouldn't be that difficult to, um, duplicate in the sense that, you know, Spokane Youth Hockey Association, um, they actually, you know, there are models out there and, you know, acquiring the equipment actually isn't, that's really um, the easiest part in my opinion. Yeah, that's, I would say that's the easiest part. It's truly um, maintaining your pool of volunteers. um, Because we're, I mean, we're, we will take kids even if they don't know how to skate and we'll, teach them to skate. And that's really where our, our volunteers do the most work. You know, once kids can skate, we have, um, two or three adult coaches that will, um, coach the kids on just basic hockey drills. Um, and that, you know, the ratio of, of 
the number of our kids to our coaches is probably about mm, three or four to one at that point. Whereas when we're teaching the kiddos to skate, it's really a one-on-one and that's where you need those volunteers. And that's probably the hardest ratio to keep is that one-to-one, you know, learner to volunteer to just teach them how to skate. That's the hardest one. So, but we have a lot of really great parents involved that um, also are willing to, you know, do all of the different certifications that need to be done and online trainings that need to be done so that they can actually get on the ice and help volunteer with us. So, yeah. So that's an option too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So talk to us about the baseball. Uh, Again, in Spokane through uh, our Spokane uh, Youth Baseball Association. It's Bambino is what they call it. It's Bambino Baseball. And I think that's a national organization. Yes, it's Bambino Buddy Ball. And what's great about that is um, the local community, you know, they have their youth baseball program um, for your neurotypical kids. And um, they, those teams volunteer to be the, the buddies for the, um, the special needs kiddos on game days. So we'll have our, um, practices where parents and other people are, are, um, required to, uh, be your child's, you know, buddy. And then, uh, on game days, we have the other local youth uh, baseball teams as the buddies and then parents and family get to just be, uh, you know, the, the spectators and the, you know, cheering on in the, in the, uh, in the stands, so to speak. Um, so that's a really great program too, cause, uh, it's, it's really great for socialization you know, you've got neurotypical kids helping special needs kids. Um, and it, the time commitments, uh, pretty easy. Uh, the first two weeks, it's two practices a week. And then once games start, you have games on the weekend. Usually it's a Sunday afternoon and one other practice during the week. So the time commitment for special needs families, because we usually have so many other things going on, such as therapies and, and that type of stuff that the time commitment for buddy ball is, um, you know, very doable which is, which is really nice. So there's a really fantastic, uh, end of the season banquet, uh, where all the kids are, you know, highlighted and, um, you know, just really a feel good end of the year, um, ceremony, which is pretty fantastic for that program. Cool. Now talk to us a little bit about the downhill skiing. Oh, this program is amazing. It's actually been in existence for, 30 years plus, I believe. And it's actually through our Spokane Parks and Recreation. So um, Mount Spokane is owned by our um, Spokane Parks Association. And they run, actually, there's three programs. They have um, the downhill skiing program, which is Powderhounds. Uh, You get one-on-one instruction. So they have you know, 40 to 60 volunteers that, um, teach downhill skiing to, uh, 
you know, anybody who signs up for this program. They also have an adaptive program. So kiddos that require like a ski, a sleep, a ski sled. Um, yeah. yeah, the slow, the, the sled, yeah. they, they end up with a couple of, um, instructors, volunteers. Uh, so it's really safe, but there's the adaptive program. And then they also have, um, the blue waxers, which is Nordic skiing or cross country skiing. And so again, you, um, have, uh, special needs kiddos up to adults. I mean, we have adults in the program, uh, that learn cross country skiing. The downhill skiing program is the program that my son is in, Powderhounds, and this this coming season will be our fourth season with them. Uh, the instructors have been amazing. They're incredibly incredibly patient. Um, they've all been trained. Um, they take the kids up, um, teach them to ski, and they ski with them all day. Um, they even, so they'll, they'll start about nine 30, 10 o'clock ski for a couple of hours, break for lunch. Your, your instructor will have lunch with your child. And then they go out and ski for another couple of hours after lunch from about one to three. And then usually by about three 30, you know, the program's done. So, I mean, it's an all day on Saturday, uh, program. It's about six weeks long. So you get about six weekends can, and then they do try and do one or two other weekends somewhere else. And the other great thing about the powder hounds is that it, um, sort of funnels these kiddos into the, um, Washington state, uh, special Olympics. And so they learn to run the gates and they can get qualified and go to the state special Olympics trials in March um, if they if they qualify. So it's a it's it's a great program. I highly recommend it. Um, you know, it's it's pretty inexpensive. There is a cost, but I do know that uh, is it the DDS DDA funds, DDA funds um, do cover uh, those programs. Very cool. Yeah, it's very cool. Now, um, Christine, do you know if they're actually going to be able to offer that program in, this winter? They are trying. We don't typically start Powder Hounds until January. So okay. uh, they definitely, you know, um, wait until later in the winter season. So we don't typically start, I think, until about the second week in January. So we're keeping our fingers crossed for, for that one. Um, okay. Yeah. So, so and just okay. on the hockey piece, uh-huh. the hockey piece, there's two kind of separate like sessions. There's the fall session and winter session. Just to let anybody know that's listening to this podcast is that the the fall session has been postponed yes. um, because there's some restrictions just in terms of students and some other concerns. So we're waiting to decide whether or not there's going to be a winter session that would start in January for the hockey team. Yes, that's, that is correct. We just felt that, um, typically we would start our fall season and run it from October through the first week in December. Um, and we just, we don't feel like life is going to be back to normal, um, 
soon enough Perfect. for us to be able to do that. So we will um, take a look at trying to do our um, winter session, which starts typically the last week in January, and we go through the first week in March yeah. um, for our winter season. So um, we'll see. We try and yeah. keep it posted. If anybody is interested, we do have a Facebook page, so they can just look for the Gonzaga Exceptional Bulldogs Hockey, um, or you can get a hold of the Isaac Foundation, and they can, you know, link you to us in some form or fashion. Correct. We're pretty good at that at the yeah. Isaac Foundation. So, yep. perfect. David, you're my next person in my Grady Bench lineup. So I'm interested to hear what type of extracurricular activities you guys experience and enjoy. Um, now, keep in mind, David, give a little bit of background for those that may not be familiar. You are a regular on our podcast, but just for those that might be listening, um, you have a little girl. So that's what I love about, about you, David, is, is that you're a dad representing the girls as opposed to a lot of us moms representing the boys, right? Well, I don't have a choice. All I have is girls. No, I'm really, you know, it's interesting. I'm glad that Christine went first because she nailed two things that are we haven't been doing, which but are of interest. We had planned on getting against Morgan's protestations, and she's 12, has autism. She's on the spectrum. We were going to get her on the ski hill for the first time this year, and she's scared. But we've done the tubing in the past, and she absolutely loves it. And of the two girls. She is the daredevil of the two, not the neurotypical one who's more timid. Morgan really? just loves bombing down the hill. In fact, Piper got so mad at me because we were on, there's the lower hill, I, there's the more independent uh, tubing hill, and then the one at the top of Mount Smith. Anyway, you're supposed to go down with a partner, and every time I'd get her to the top, Piper would, would admonish me like, oh, dad, you're not supposed to let her go down by herself. Oh, I'm like, you're right. And then I just push Morgan down, and she'd be delighted. <laughs> Piper would be so mad at me. So I think... Rule breaker, you. But Morgan is... Yeah. Um, Morgan's concerned just because she's never done it before. And anything she hasn't done it before means it's going to be met with trepidation. And I just, I mean, the fact that like, as Christine described, there's going to be one-on-one is great. And then somebody had just inquired with me yesterday about Special Olympics. And I'm like, why haven't I even looked into that? Um, you know, I just think, cause I think Morgan would just enjoy the fact that she's out there with other kids whether she won or she lost, she just, I mean, likes to encourage other kids. So um, really wouldn't mind looking into that. As far as current extracurriculars, it's funny. She pretty much displayed early on that she doesn't have much of an interest in athletic endeavors. Um, you know, we determined after a couple of seasons of soccer, when we really drilled down to it, like, why do you like going? Like, because of the snacks at the end. I'm like, well, we can do the snacks without the soccer or paying for the <laughs> soccer. We can, you know, so. Um, oh, yeah. David, yes. And so, yeah. And so it's like, well, okay, we don't need to do that. And she was in dance for a while, but, you know, she wasn't keeping up just because it's hard for her to follow instruction. I adored the fact that by the end of the year, you know, she would somehow keep up with the actual recital. So then it becomes like, what is that next thing? Now, she loves... And this is where COVID has really um, interfered. She loves spectator sports. She loves, I mean, we've been going to Gonzaga women's basketball for the last three years. She loves it. She loves going to the Indians games, anything that's a spectator sport. Now, mind you, when she goes to these games, she sets up camp with my phone, 
watches the phone the whole time, maybe looks up every once in a while. She wants popcorn when we sit down. Um, later on, she wants dip and Dots and something to eat and maybe some other treat. Meanwhile, she's playing on my phone the whole time. And then she looks up, oh, it's done great. And yet she wants to do that every time. I love the Gonzaga game. I love the Indians game. I don't know what the difference is for her because she does the same thing at both. But for some reason, from a sensory standpoint, it must just agree with her. She just loves being in that environment yeah. as opposed to like sensory issues with crowds. So the COVID has been a real disruption to that. And so it has been a real struggle kind of finding that thing, because I don't think being on an iPad and an extracurricular activity, if you ask Morgan, it would be, but that's just not something. But it's almost like COVID has been a real disruption for the type of things that she wants to do. And so I'm really glad, like I said, Christine went first, because the two things that have really come up lately have been the skiing and then just yesterday, the Special Olympics. And it's like, why not? Um, So yeah, I would say for us, it has been a struggle trying to find the things that she's interested in, in this realm of COVID. So David, I'm going to ask you this question because you have a little girl. Have you guys ever tried um, Girl Scouts? I am going to measure my words here. Um, we did. And you okay. know, Okay, I'm just asking. We did. They did it for one season and it was fine. <laughs> they had a good time. The thing is, the, the trip they were in uh, was in the back and then we moved to the South Hill and then when we did, um, they just didn't seem to be, they said, I really want to do scouts again. We'd have been like, sure, no problem. Neither one really expressed much of an interest in doing it again. Um, so we have tried it. Um, you know, it was fine while they did it. It didn't take. Um, I'm trying to think of anything else that we tried to get involved with that uh, was along those lines. But, uh, you know. The only reason why I'm picking on you, David, is because you have like the the resident girl here in this conversation. So that's why I thought I'd throw it out because I, I do know that there are some girls that are involved in Girl Scouts and it's been successful. So I just thought I would ask. Yeah, no, like I said, we, we did have the experience with it. Had they decided, you know, had they showed any interest in doing so, once again, we definitely would have nurtured that. It just, it didn't seem to, um, just like the dance thing just kind of petered out. So it really is a process of looking for that next thing. So uh, part of Perfect. me yeah. being here right now is just getting ideas. Yeah. Totally. That's part of the beauty of this podcast is all of a sudden it like generates ideas, right? Tanya, tell me some of your extracurricular activities that you enjoy with your children. Um, kind of like Christine said, we've done um, Bambino Buddy Ball. And so um, Logan's enjoyed that. Sometimes the hard thing for him though is because he knows like, some of the actual rules of baseball. He doesn't understand why they don't play by the actual baseball. Oh, I can see that being kind of an issue of why you might be annoyed by that. That makes sense because, you know, he's very high functioning. So the rules are the rules. Is that in actual baseball, you tag a person out. And so I've tried to explain to him (laughs) that this baseball's played a little bit differently. And so that's a little hard for him to still understand. I think he's starting to get it better than when we first started playing. But um, yeah, just because it's a little different and he's a black and white, well, this is how the rules of baseball and how baseball's supposed to be. I feel like, David, you would appreciate that, right? Uh, yeah, no, uh, being OCD and a stickler for the rules, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and you're kind of our, our like, um, sports aficionado, too. Like, okay, so, David, just for our, v- our listeners, just to appreciate, like, what was your prior to, like, your affiliation with the Spokane Shock football team? Tell everyone what you did prior to that, just so that people have a perspective. After I completed my um, 18-year bachelor's, um, I did go back and get my um, degree in broadcasting, and I started out uh, down that path. 
Um, and there's 210 media markets in the country. And when you do that, um, you have to start really small. So I made it all the way into market 193, Eureka, California. Um, and I was the weekend sports anchor and sports reporter there. We were the news leader because we were the only one doing news in town. I had to kind of shift my switch just that uh, at the time, you know, because I got a late start, I'm in my mid thirties and married. All my counterparts are in their early twenties and single. They're much more mobile than I am. You're not making any money. Meg's having to support us to kind of, you know, support my dream. And it just kind of dawned on me pretty quickly that like, if I'm going to make a go of this, or if I'm going to make a go of anything, you know, I can't, I can't bounce from place to place to place asking her to continue to support me. So I had to kind of think of a different avenue. And that's when I got a certificate in sports management. And then just out of just sheer luck, um, I would, because I'd been to Spokane before. And I, I even told Meg, like, you know, this is the place I think we could settle someday. And so my buddy had told me the type of football team that was coming to town. And then I lied my way into a job. I was trying to go um, for the media relations angle because that was my background, but they had already had that filled. And finally, I just wore them down. And they're like, you know, we think you'd be really good at ticket sales. You're so persistent. Um, you know, you can manage the department, hire people, run forecasts. You know, you've done all that before. And I'm like, oh, absolutely. <laughs> like, um, I, yeah, but I'm like, just get me up there and I'll figure it out. So that's kind of how it came about and how I ended up in Spokane. So you started as a sports broadcaster. Yeah, I mean, you know, again, major market TV in Eureka, California, um, the, the NBC affiliate there. So weekend anchor and weekend reporter or other way around. But yeah. So Tanya, there's uh, I think there's a, some potential there. I mean, like if you could like mentor your son and we connect him with David, we could have a real winning combination there. because well, he's however, a, he, he doesn't like watching sports, though. Really? <laughs> no. Oh, I know. I think because he reads enough and he pays attention enough, though, he knows, like, the rules, what they should be, kind of. Yeah. 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 And then also, like, what um, David was saying earlier about Morgan, the other thing we were seriously considering trying was the skiing. And also, like Morgan, Logan tends to have fear about trying new things. And so, like trying and failing or just trying? Trying new things in general. Like when we okay. went to Glacier this summer, he we he went kayaking for the first time, which to me wouldn't be very nerve wracking, but he was like super nervous about it because he had never done it. Once he got out there, he was fine and realized it wasn't so bad. He looked really yeah. serious the whole time. But yeah, anytime he tries anything new, it's just really scary for him. Stressful. And then I will say my husband doesn't help on the skiing thing because he's never been skiing before and he refuses to try because he's afraid he'll crash into a tree. So my husband I don't blame him. That is a scary thing. You guys can I laugh. Know. Like <laughs> I think that's legit. I know. So he's not helpful at all about that at all. One thing I've noticed though, um, and we also did um we did soccer briefly. Um we actually did soccer in kindergarten on a nor regular soccer team because in kindergarten I figured while he struggles with following directions and paying attention at the kindergarten age level, I figured it wouldn't be that noticeable yet, his differences. Oh, yeah. <laughs> all kindergartners were kind of all over the place. So he did play on an actual, like, kindergarten soccer team. And then we did do the special needs soccer here, but it was out in the valley and it was just kind of too far because that's like yeah. a five minute drive. And he's expressed interest in trying gymnastics. But again, the only special needs gymnastics class is also out in the valley. So, yeah. I have, I'm with you guys. Like I, as much as I want to support my children's natural interests, yes. I am going to be the first one to admit that transportation and how long it takes for me to get there is a big factor Yes, because we're the transportation. And if I'm spending like half my life, I mean, 
on top of transporting to therapies and school and all the things on top of then the extracurriculars, like I'm like tapping out and I feel guilty about it because I could be a better parent. One short season of soccer in the Valley of like, no, I'm not driving to the Valley. (laughs) Okay. You know what, Tanya, you have just validated me and and made me not feel like I'm such a horrible parent. So thank you. I'm going to kiss you virtually. That's that's my virtual kiss to you. I would be interested in seeing about getting started because I always notice like where there's kind of a lack of like special need activities sometimes Mm -hmm. is because I grew up in Spokane and I danced for 15 years while living here. So I have a lot of connections. And then my neurotypical son who seven just started his first tap. He had his first tap class today. I'm so super excited because I tapped for 14 years would be starting like a special needs like dance class because I know a lot of the directors at a lot of the studios here in town because I grew up here in the dance community. So, you know what, Tanya, I'm just going to throw this out. I'm a little disappointed that I have never seen you actually dance. Like as I I actually want to see it. Like I hear about it. I know that you were in dance video. I have one. I will take it. I will accept. I'm going to take it because I want to see it. Yeah. Geraldine, see me dance. I know. That's the thing is one of our other autism parents that's joining me is Geraldyn. And ironically, this is what's so weird about like small Spokane, but just small life in general. Geraldyn and Tanya were childhood friends. And then lo and behold, you both end up as part of our autism tribe. How weird is that? I mean, seriously. Yeah. Geraldyn, you're joining me. I'm interested to hear what you have in terms of extracurricular activities. Well, Christine took two of mine as well. So I'm still, I want to hear your experiences though. Your experiences are important to me as well. um, You know, honestly, it's a pretty similar uh, story as far as, but actually both hockey and baseball, I think, well, no, with hockey, I found out about hockey at a mom's night too. It might've been from Christine. I don't know, but um, yeah, because I think we've been doing it, what, three years now? So yeah. Yeah, you were probably doing it year before, Christine, and um, that's where we heard about it. Otherwise, I don't know if I would have found out about it, like, otherwise. But, yeah, connecting with moms, um, I've learned more probably just from going to that group than almost anywhere. Because you can't always, like, Google this stuff. There's not always, like, yeah. a website or a Facebook page for all of this. Um, and then same thing, Bambino Buddy Ball. I think we actually heard about that through school. Because I think they were sending, like, flyers to, like... Yeah. Yeah, to schools. And that's how we found out about that. Elian didn't love baseball. I made him do it for a couple of years because just, you know, for the for the social aspect. But he started kind of complaining about it because I don't know if it's just not entertaining for him. Um, and they weren't always consistent with like having a buddy there. So I think it was really hard for him to stay engaged in the whole process. And I ended up being more of like his buddy a lot of the times. So yeah, it ended up being a lot of work for me. And as like a single parent, I mean, if he wasn't enjoying it and I'm not kind of getting to like unwind and watch my kid play baseball, it was, and I still had another kiddo that would show up with us. It was kind of a lot of work. Yeah. Um, We just kind of decided to quit doing it. Um, But then we're also, he was doing basketball as well. Basketball was actually through the school. So he did it when... I can't remember if he did it when he was in Mead, but when we moved to Spokane Public Schools, his teacher um, in his self-contained class and one of the paras in that class, they were there were some of the coaches or in the speech therapist, she was also a coach, and they would play other 
um, special needs teams in the district. So he was doing that even through last year. They went to, I think they made it to three games last year and then COVID happened. So they ah, COVID. Yep. Curse COVID. Curse COVID. He had such a good time. I went to, I caught the end of his games a few times and I mean, he was having fun. I don't know if like he's going to be, you know, the next basketball star or anything. Thing, but oh, you know. he is. Oh, Geraldine, he, sorry, my dog is so totally sneezing in the microphone right now, and I'm so sorry. <laughs> okay, I don't really have height on his side, but you know, you never know. <laughs> oh, well, so explain the Mexicano just for those that are oh, listening. Well, I'm Filipino, and their dad is Mexican, so I mean, and there's other things in there too, but you know, it's yeah. Mexican, you know, sounds cooler than adding like the German and Irish and all that in there, so. I just think Mexipino sounds so cute. I like have never heard of it other than like when you talk about it for your family. So oh, it's a, it's like a thing. Go to California. There's lots of them. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. We're unfortunately in Spokane, so we don't hear as much about it. So um, thank you for educating me. We're kind of, we're unique here. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that's really all that we're doing. And then right now, if anyone has any ideas, because right now haircuts are kind of like an extracurricular or, you know, just anything <laughs> we can think of to get out of the house, like that's a necessity. That's what we call our extracurriculars. But someone should really start like a trampolining team or like a triple play, you know, gaming oh, team. And then laser quest team. Laser quest yeah. team. My kids, both of them would be all over that stuff and they would probably like beat every kid there. So. Well, and I think that that's legitimate. And here's, I guess, if we're being honest and we're talking about extracurricular activities, understand all of these things can be duplicated and anything that your kid has an interest in can be created. Um, it just takes some, I, you know, like planning, coordination, yeah. um, rallying forces, if you will. Um, that's why I love social media so much. And well, it's the one thing I love about social media. There's a lot of things I don't love about social media, but one positive thing about social media is, is that you can connect people with other like interests. So when you have kids that are super into, you know, like, um, laser quest or, you know, like sky, like trampoline bouncing or whatever, you know, you get enough people that are interested and almost always, I've never had a local group um, or a local business um, say, oh no, that's a terrible idea. Like when we, you know, so in Spokane, um, we have for adults, uh, bowling, you know, there's a special Olympics bowling team and um, it's not necessarily in place for the, well, there is a, there is a younger special Olympics bowling group. But my point is, is if your kid is interested in bowling. There's nothing that says that you can't reach out and say, Hey, you know, here's what my interest is. I have a child with special needs and I want to put together a bowling league. And that's the thing is, is that it's, it's they're all, I've never had a local business say, absolutely not. That's a terrible idea. They really do want to support individuals with disabilities, whether they're children or adults. And so don't be afraid to reach out to them and say, Hey, what would it take for me to put together a league of X, Y, and Z and how much would it cost? Um, a lot of times they're willing to give you a discount because you're, you know, like families with, you know, special needs and things are more expensive. Again, Christine, you talked about this too. DDA, um, we, in, in the state of Washington, we have the department of developmental administration and that's kind of our state organization, our state agency that, um, you know, provides uh, waivers, if you will, um, for individuals with disabilities. And with that, when you receive a waiver, you have allocated dollars that you can use for different things. So um, Isaac Foundation had to become, quote unquote, I'm using air quotes here, a vendor 
because there were families that wanted to use their DDA waiver funds to receive a weighted blanket. So Isaac Foundation became a vendor, if you will. Um, but that's the thing is that different groups, you can become a vendor with, for, to be able to then receive DDA for some of those funds that you want to do. And that's what, Christine, you were talking about, correct? Yes. Yeah. And if at any point, Gonzaga University chooses to withdraw their financial support because right now they pay for our ice time um, for our group to be able to skate at the local ice arena. Um, the the hockey team would probably have to go through that process so that then we could say, okay, because right now there is no cost truly yeah. I mean, other than um, the uh, every insurance waiver has to sign up with USA um, hockey in order to be covered for the liability insurance. There Correct. is no other costs, um, to be part of our hockey group, but that's because of, again, the absolutely incredible generous support of Gonzaga university school of education. They pay for our ice time and the Isaac foundation has our, um, equipment lending locker. I mean, there's just no other way we could, we can yeah. do that program um, without that support. But, um, you know, there may come a time that, uh, the group will have to become a vendor. Um, and then we would have to charge those DDA, um, reimbursable, uh, funds in order to keep the group going. Yeah. But just so, you know, the becoming a vendor is not super complicated just so that, you know, anybody that's, you know, well, and I, and I, I know where to go to get all the information and help to, you know, get me through it. So I'll just, yeah. Isaac foundation, you'll walk me through it. Correct. Yeah, exactly. So, and that's the nice thing about, you know, like the, the DDA waiver, that's one added bonus. Um, Again, I mentioned the um, bowling because I know that we have a Special Olympics bowling team for both the kids and adults. The other thing, I don't know if you guys are aware of this or if anybody's had any experience, but are you guys aware of the fact that we even have a track team, a Special Olympics track team? It's called the Golden Gophers. I've heard of it. I've heard of it. Yeah. And um, also, there has been a lot of success for kids on the autism spectrum or other disabilities in terms of cross country. Yeah. So there is cross country is actually a sport um, that is very much track and cross country is something, it's a sport, it's an activity that in almost all areas is very successful for people. And, you know, whether they're younger kids or um, high school to younger teens, um, or I say, I should say younger twenties is, is another extracurricular activity that we find that, um, there's a quite a lot of success in, um, anybody have any success with boy scouts? I'm just throwing it out there. I don't know. Did it briefly. Um, <laughs> uh, when Logan was in first grade, when we lived in Texas, so we did it for only like a semester and it was really hard because like, so because they would meet in the cafeteria of school. And so when it would be a large day meeting, it was like packed, like just too much going on. Yeah. It was just like his den group. It was different. And then the problem came with, he, he enjoyed going for kind of the social aspect to the smaller ones, but he didn't like doing the work to earn the badges. So. Yeah. Well, which, <laughs> hey, yes, that's the whole premise of 
of Boy Scouts. Yeah. However, I do have a lot. So there are in our area, so I have to assume that there are, is this available in other areas? Um, if you contact your local Boy Scouts, like um, headquarters or, you know, like um, local chapter, they will tell you which chapters are like geared towards kids with um, special needs, because we actually have several Boy Scouts you know, they've been very receptive to creating an inclusive model for boys with disabilities and then also Girl Scouts too. Um, So I know if you call your local chapter of the Boy Scouts of America or Girl Scouts. um, Our local chapter has had several um, kids with special needs involved in it. And I'm also, um, my youngest has decided he wants to do Cub Scouts this year. And we're going to do our local one with him. And um, I'm also the charter rep for our Cub Scouts, I get to sign all their paperwork because our PTO sponsors it. Very cool. Well, and I just know that Isaac Foundation was a speaker at one of the Cub Scouts. Um, They actually, we went out and we talked. So they had actually several kids within this particular um, like um, group that had special needs. And so we went out there and we did a special needs um, first responder for, so that they could earn their badge for first responders piece. So I do know um, that they're very receptive to, you know, an inclusive model for boys and girls with um, disabilities and special needs. So I would say that is definitely, if your kid is motivated by earning badges, I would say two thumbs up. If your kid is not motivated by I'm that. I'm not motivated then, to earn the badges. So yeah, no, amen to that. Like we're, I'm right there with you because we were looking for anything, um, that was like gonna, you know, we'll see if it takes more with my typical youngest child and see if he's more motivated than his older brother was to earn badges. He wants to give it a try. So, Hey, good. Go for it. Right. That's just it. I think that's awesome. Um, another thing, I don't know about you guys, this is pre COVID. So understand that I'm speaking pre COVID. Um, we actually had a lot of success with just going to our rec center, like your YMCA, or we had, um, you know, we live towards Airway Heights, Washington. And so there's an Airway Heights Recreational Center. And um, I was actually um, really surprised in a positive way about how um, inclusive and supportive they were for both our boys, because we're a blended family with seven kids. And so, you know, Caleb's very high functioning. Um, but he has to take a class or like he has to do like a, a training before he can use any of like the equipment. And then, so he's the correct age, but you have to go through like a, a class where you learn how to use all the equipment safely and how to disinfect everything. Now, keep in mind, this is pre COVID. Um, and so, but you know, I was really honest with them, you know, Caleb has, you know, autism. So his working memory is not that great. Um, so he, you know, may need a couple, you might have to re-explain it or, you know, like show him versus using just, you know, like words. And they were really, really good about um, taking the time to go through the different machines and um, just understanding too, he's going to make a mistake. He's not going to disinfect it the right way the first time. So he's going to need to have some redirection, but in a positive way. Um, And so that was really shockingly successful. Um, and the other thing too is, um, John's son Cooper, who's 17 years old with profound autism, um, you know, we would take him in with us and we would put him on with us. I mean, he was always with us and, and put him on a treadmill and, um, everybody was really like high fives. We would put him in the pool. Um, and 
you know, we, we've had, we had a couple of meltdowns because like, God forbid that the play structure water feature was not turned on when we were there. And so we had a whole little meltdown thing. And I was actually really without any formal training, super surprised how supportive they were to try and figure out a way to help make a recreational center inclusive for all people to be able to access. So I would say in terms of extracurricular activities, don't count out your local YMCA's, your local um, rec centers. Um, and, you know, Christine, you're military. So is your military has the rec center sort of? It does. Um, by the time we moved here um, and we were, you know, getting Cameron into activities and things like that, we were out of the military. So I can't really speak to that. Um, but I was going to just follow up on what you said in terms of, you know, don't ever limit yourself just because there may not necessarily be something very specific, you know, that it says it's a special needs. Um, and I put that in the air quotes, the special needs group. We started Cameron and he really was into um, martial arts there for a little while. And we took several months and doing classes at the Y, the martial arts classes for Cameron. And he, you know, passed the first belt and on to the second belt. Uh, it actually just worked out that his therapy schedule impeded our ability to get to the classes on time. But that was something that was pretty fantastic. I was not too heartbroken that we weren't able to continue due to his therapy schedule. This particular instructor really wanted the kids to move at his pace or at the pace that he felt kids should move through earning um, each, you know, colored belt. Uh, but we have um, several friends who have special needs children that um, they are with another, um, I believe it's Warhorse, I think, here in Spokane. And they have found them to be incredibly patient, allowing the, the um, child to move at their own pace as long as they are progressing and, and getting better. It, it's not like within two weeks, you have to do your yellow belt and within four weeks, you have to get your green belt and within, you know, it's really just self-paced and they can keep coming to the classes and keep learning and keep growing. So sometimes it's just a matter of finding that one facility really understands and just embraces the fact that some of our kids are, are just going to work at their own pace and in their, in their own way. And it's just, it's just a matter of finding them. So don't give up. If you have a bad experience with, with one facility, you may find that, you know, the next facility that you try works that much better. I agree. You know, Holly, you'd mentioned rec centers. One of the particularly tough things that's been uh, going to come about because of COVID, that's just an easy one this time of year, the community pools. I mean, my goodness, the, oh, the one that they have up here on the South Hill, especially, and now that we're so close, I mean, that's something that was just, you know, event, you know, event TV here. It's just like, you know, the girls would, especially Morgan, is just, absolutely adores being in the water and it's been something she's been deprived of. We were lucky enough to get the one trip to Silverwood this year. And literally I could leave her in the wave pool for four hours. Piper and I could go explore the park, come back. She'd be in the same spot in the wave pool. And she especially loves the way to hammer her and knock her all over the place. I don't know what it is from a sensory standpoint that she absolutely adores. And that's been something. So we're trying to replicate it in our backyard with like 
a slip and slide transitioning to the hot tub and then back to the slip and slide, which is not nearly the same thing, but you do what you can to improvise. One thing, and I would love to uh, inquire as to whether or not this has like a special needs component, because I think it would be hard to have typical and special needs. But up here on the South Hill, there's a lady who competed in American Ninja Warrior, and she has a kid's American Ninja Warrior set up in her backyard, and she absolutely caters to the kids. I would really love to inquire as to whether or not there is a accommodation or a period where they could do special needs there. Well, and, and again, David, I think that's a really good point. Like Caleb calls it parkouring because he would try and do some of those sorts of things like in the, uh, at, at recess. And then of course we'd get like se- severely in trouble because like, we don't do those things. Blah, 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 blah. I'm totally with you, David. I've even actually looked online to see what it would cost to like put up some of those to purchase some of those types of things to put up. You know, I live on 10 acres though. So, I mean, like the sky's the limit. I'm totally with you on that Um, because, again, it just is thinking outside of the box. There is nothing that isn't attainable for our kids with special needs. It just takes time and effort to coordinate it and pull it together and ask questions and say, hey, have you ever thought about blah, 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 you know? So I think that's really a really valid point, David, is that um, why couldn't there be? You know, it just means that we haven't asked those questions yet. Hey, Cameron got scuba diving certified. Like yes. when you say there are no limits, there are literally no limits. Um, he had to take the same test that I took. Yes, I was right there. Yes, I was reading the questions to him, but he had to take the same paper and pencil test that I took and he had to take the same dive certification test both in the pool and in uh, the lake as I had to take, and he had to pass them without mom helping because there's not a whole lot of communication that can go on between mom and Cameron when we're 20 feet, you know, underwater with a totally. regulator in your mouth. So yeah. yeah, there are no limitations. You just have to find those instructors and those people, you know, that are, are willing to take you on. And they are out and there. They are out there. Yes, they are. They are out there. Jerilyn, you were going to say something? Oh, I was just going to kind of um, tag on to what David was saying. She actually did a presentation at my son's old school. Um, we have some like mutual friends and I thought about like actually talking to her about exactly that, about like having the kids go back into her yard. I don't know where she lives, but I thought about just like driving around the South Hill and just like looking in people's backyards for this thing. <laughs> That's not creepy or anything. No, not at all. I'm sure I could figure it out. Or if someone has a drone, that would make my job a lot easier. But um, I have to be honest. I'm going to give Gerilyn a little bit of props. As some people may know, um, my family, we adopted a homeless teen. Um, He came to us in the eighth grade. He's now an 11th grader. But I have to give props to Gerilyn because she was an Isaac Foundation volunteer. And part of the process of being able to kind of get his official court you know, sanctioned custody stuff was we had to track down his biological father who happened to be a homeless man in Portland. And Gerilyn was the one that tracked him down and figured out his actual name so that we could track him down eventually. So we, so Jer, if there is any person that is going to be capable of finding out who that person is with this equipment in their backyard, Gerilyn, there is no doubt it's, it's going to be you. Nefarious research skills, they come in handy for some good too. So I'm telling you. So we'll put Geraldine's contact information in the comment section just in case anybody wants to hire her. Just kidding. Kind of well, kidding, I mean, but not kidding. 
I, I mean, I've been told that I should run like a small business doing this. Like, <laughs> totally. Because because of you, I have custody of my son. Yeah. I have all of the stuff. Um, and actually, a side note too, Gerilyn, I don't know if you knew this, but um, uh, so we served his biological dad. He gave us permission um, so that we could actually do all of our legal work. And then unfortunately, he passed away this summer. So it was nice that actually Trevor was able to talk to his biological dad um, prior to him passing away this last July. Um, so anyway, so thank you, Geraldine, for multiple on multiple um, friends, because Trevor did actually get to have a conversation with his biological dad before he passed away. And so I'm not saying it was like a, you know, how much there's not a lot of a relationship you can have with, um, in a situation like that, but at least it was something. So good job, Gerilyn. Wait, I didn't know that. That's awesome. I'm glad he got yeah. to talk to him. So. Yeah. So I, I do thank you for that. So, and if you're just, seeking backyard, if you are searching backyards, Gerilyn, uh, mine will be the one with the she shed in the back. So sure. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. David, you're coming you with us. Find this. You're taller than I am. You're the one you're going to stick your head out of my sunroof and we're just going to go like scout around for it. So. Yes, but he mentioned the she shed. So I'm going to give a shameless plug that Isaac Foundation is still selling she shed raffle tickets. And Gerilyn and David, and actually Tanya and Christine are all people that are trying to win the winning ticket to um, win a fully furnished five. It's valued at over $5,000. It's a fully furnished she shed that you can then park in your backyard. And David and Gerilyn and Christine and Tanya are all individuals that are purchasing tickets trying to win. So if you were interested in purchasing a she shed raffle ticket, um, call Holly um, or email Holly at the Isaac foundation, because you don't want to ask David, Gerilyn, um, or Tanya, because they're going to steer you wrong. Christine and I, we're the people, we're the people that will get you tickets because we have tickets and we're selling them. The other ones are going to say, Oh, there's no point. Cause we already have the winning ticket. Well, thank you guys for joining me. Like I said, um, as we're heading into the next school year, we thought, you know, talking about extracurricular activities would be something that it's, it's sad to, for me to realize how many people don't realize all the different extracurricular activities there are out there. And again, Christine touched on this and um, Jerry Lynn touched on this. You know, you guys didn't know about some of them until you came to an Isaac Foundation mom site. And we aren't everywhere as much as Isaac Foundation would love to be in every um, city of every um, state. It's just not possible. So the moral of the story is if you are not in Spokane, um, you know, connect on Facebook with um, your school district, your school district sometimes know, um, connect with other families, Google research. Um, if there's um, something that you're interested in, reach out to, um, you know, there's the Girl Scouts, there's Boy Scouts, there's, you know, reach out to your mountains and um, you would probably be shocked to find out what is available in your local community, it just takes kind of some Google research and maybe a couple of phone calls to find out what's available. And if it isn't available, um, don't be afraid to start something up in your neck of the woods. So did I forget anything, my guests? Everybody's giving me the thumbs up. All right. Well, I'm going to go ahead and wrap up this podcast. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Isaac's Autism in the Wild. And that's it for now. If you want to be notified of our next podcast release, be sure to hit subscribe. And just remember, we're all in this together. So find your tribe and hold them tight.